I think we got through verse 15, right? Is that right? I believe so. Okay, that's what we're going to do. So we're going to start in verse 16. We're going to get through the end of the chapter today. Coming up on 19 is the 19 is the, the chapter you're probably all aware of, and we'll get to that, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. There's pretty much everybody's still in the kitchen. I was going to put off starting, but we're going to go ahead and get done. Um, today is it's kind of a... It's not a difficult passage to to understand, but it's um, understanding why it's there is kind of difficult, you know, because um, up until now we've been following the storyline, right? You saw the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent. We saw saw that it was God's plan from the very beginning, you know, uh, to bring forth this seed of the woman, which we know is is Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of all that, and we followed the storyline. And it's almost like uh, this little section here is placed here, uh, and you kind of, kind of like, why is it here? Why is it here? And I think the, I think the answer to that question is, it is to teach us about the justice and the mercy, the judgment and the justice of God and the mercy of God as well. But that's the point that he's going to give to Abraham. Uh, he's going to, he's going to teach Abraham, and the reason why he's uh, going to do this is he's going to teach him about where he's going. Remember what we see last week. Somebody tell me. Summarize last week. That way I won't have to do all the talking. Last week we talked about what we were doing. You don't remember? The three visitors came to Abraham. Lying about what she was going to be pregnant. She lied. Laughed and then lied about having a promise fulfilled. And uh, God, uh, we, we realized he was the Lord, not just some visitor. And it ended abruptly, remember? He said, uh, uh, Sarah stuck her head out of the tent and said, uh, wait a minute, I didn't laugh. And the Lord said there in verse 15, he said, then Sarah denied saying, I laugh not for she was afraid. And he said, nay, but you did laugh. And that's the end of the conversation. It's almost like when he said, no, you did laugh. He got up and started walking off. Verse 16 says, and the men rose from thence and looked towards Sodom and Abram went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abram that thing which I do or which I'm about to do, seeing that Abram shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and justice. There's our two terms that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. So they get up, they look to Sodom. What's about to happen? They're on their way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. They're on their way to destroy the cities of the plains. They're on their way to bring judgment of God. The point of the point of this section, this last part of 18, is that. Abraham is going to be the reason God says, you know, shall I let, shall I let him know what I'm going to do? Uh, yeah, I need to let him know what I'm going to do because, and he gives reasons. He is the covenant bearer. He's the one that has, you know, I've made the promise with, I've made the covenant with, and he is going to instruct his people what it means to walk in my way. Did you see that? In verse uh, 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 19, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him that they shall keep the way of the Lord. That's an important phrase in this section. The way of the Lord. To do justice and judgment. Now up until this point, has Abraham really experienced any judgment from God? 
I mean, he's experienced some hardships. He's experienced some consequences for his actions. But talking about fire, brimstone, judgment. No, he's gotten pretty much mercy. And he's he's done some messing up, hasn't he? I mean, he's done some messing up with the best of them. I mean, he basically committed adultery when he took Hagar for his wife. He he basically lied and didn't trust God when he went down to Egypt and then lied about his wife being his sister. And you, we've seen over the course of the events that Abraham has done some doozy. He, he's owed some justice and judgment, but he hadn't received it. And we know why, because why? Come on, y'all. Wake up. It's Mother's Day. Yeah, that's the only reason. God's mercy and His grace. God chose Abraham to make him a nation and just by His grace. Abraham showed it and do nothing to earn it. He didn't, wasn't owed it. It was just by God's grace that, that Abraham has, uh, has uh, not experienced anything yet but mercy and grace. And so he needs to understand God's judgment. He needs to understand God's justice. God didn't just come and rain down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah and everybody be looking around like, whoo, wonder why that happened. God came to explain. He he came to explain to Abraham for the reason that he is going to teach his children to walk in my ways because there is justice and judgment for those who do not walk in the way of the Lord. Everybody make sense? Everybody good? He needs to understand. That's part of the covenant. He said, that's why I'm here telling you this. That's why he says, shall I tell Abraham what I'm going to do? He said, yeah, I'm going to tell him what I'm going to do. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and that the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's part of the covenant is walking in the way of the Lord. That's what he calls it here, walking in the way of the Lord. We know that that is trusting in God. That is walking after the ways of God. That is doing all those things. That's part of the covenant. Even today, understand, we're going to see this here in a minute in the text, but it's God's grace that saves a person and then God's grace that causes a person to live after the Lord. There's no such thing as a person who says, you know, I, I, I've been saved, but they do not walk in the way of the Lord. That doesn't mean you're perfect. Please, you've been here long enough to understand. We're not talking about people. Nobody here is sinless. Nobody here is making a hundred every day. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about a life that's seeking after the Lord, loving the Lord, serving the Lord, wanting to, wanting to do away with sin, wanting to follow after His ways. We're talking really about, it's not about how good or how bad you're doing. It's about a new desire. It's about a new desire. I desire, if you're born again, you desire to serve God. You desire to love God, to walk after God. This morning we talked about how you are always going to do what you love to do. And you're going to sacrifice things to do what you love to do. I told a, a, a instance this morning about uh, young people that you know that's what we I deal with most of the time, and they'll say I can't come to can't come to church Sunday night because I got homework due, I got tests tomorrow, I got to study for. But you went to the movie on Friday, you went shopping on Saturday, you hung out Saturday afternoon, and now here it is Sunday night, and all of a sudden I've got stuff I have to do. I can't come to church on Sunday night. Now what what's the deal? is you sacrificed for what you love. It's not the homework deal like you don't need to do your schoolwork. It's you sacrifice. You know, I, I don't want to sacrifice my Friday night. I don't want to sacrifice my Saturday. I don't want to sacrifice my Sunday afternoon. That's just an example. 
But I'm, I'm all good with sacrifice on Sunday evening. You see what I mean? You sacrifice for what you love. You desire. You, you will live for what you desire. Live for what you love. And it's just that's just that's the way we all are. And so what we need is not to do better. We, we don't need to straighten up and fly right or anything like that. We need a new heart that desires God, that desires to love him, to serve him, to fellowship with his people. Even when it gets messy, even when it gets we have to have a new heart and that only comes through that only comes through Christ that only comes through the grace of God and so he says I'm going to tell Abram what I'm going to do because he is the covenant bearer all the world's going to be blessed through him and I know him which means he says I know him that he will command his children that doesn't mean you know I know Abraham's a pretty good guy and uh, I I know that he'll he'll pass on what I'm about to give him. That means that he God says, I know him. Um, the, the knowing is the reason he passes it on. The knowing is almost like he's saying, um, you know, uh, he tells Israel, he said, of you, you of all the nations have I known. You know, it's not like he's ignorant of everybody else. He's saying, I have chosen you to bring forth this nation. I've chosen you so that you will pass on what I'm showing you and teaching you to the nation Israel and they will be my people. They will walk after my ways. He says, uh, I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord. That's what he's showing him here today. The way of the Lord. And this is that way to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham all that he has spoken of him. Now look at that. I wrestled with this a little this week. He says, he says, because of the promise I'm going to, to show him to keep the way of the Lord. So if they keep the way of the Lord, then that I may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Does that make sense? He's saying, I've pro- I'm going to show him what I'm going to do because he needs to learn what justice and judgment of God looks like. He says, I'm going to show him so that he will teach his children to walk in the way of the Lord. So that I will bring to pass the promise that I've given him. So in other words, it's kind of like he's going to put the judgment on him to teach him unless they teach the children. Yeah, but it, he says, I'm going to show him the judgment and the mercy of God. He says, so that he'll teach his children so that they will walk in my ways so that I will bless them. So it, it's almost like it's a big circle. What he's saying is... If I put it in personal terms, I'd say it like this. If I'm God, I say, I'm going to give Dean the grace in order that Dean will walk in my way in order so I can bless Dean. So it's almost like a circle. God's at the beginning and the end. He gives the beginning. He gives the grace that causes Dean to walk in his way. And walking in his way brings the blessing of walking in his way that God blesses him on the end. Does that make sense? So the, what I'm saying is this is, not a, this is not a point of there's two sides to this coin. It's not, it's not like on the one hand you could say, you know, well... I, I walked the aisle and I did what I'm supposed to do. Therefore, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to live my life and it's all good. Um, That's not what walking in the way of the Lord means. That's not what salvation is. That's not what relationship with God is. What relationship with God is, is that he gives us the new heart. We don't earn it by our own merit, our own works or anything like that. He gives us a new heart when we trust in him, when we repent of our sin and trust in Christ. He gives us a new heart. And that new heart that God gives us causes us, the Holy Spirit inside of us, causes us to walk in his way to 
love His justice, to love His mercy, to love Him. And because we are walking in His way and loving God and following His commands and, and striving after Him, it, it, it He blesses us for doing that. Does that make sense? So all the things that we receive, all the things that we get from uh, God, are none of them are... Um, None of them are we're able to boast in because I've done so good. God has blessed me because it was God's uh, it was God's grace that changed our heart to begin with to cause us to walk in His way. Does that make sense? That is like I'm confusing myself. So I know y'all, some of y'all must be confused. Any questions? It's salvation, blessing, and the Christian life is all God's work from beginning to end. We see the evidence of it as we walk it out, and we desire God, and we serve God, and we walk, but we take no credit for it. We can't boast in it because I'm doing so good and I'm doing a whole lot better than y'all. It's not about my doing and I have no, I have no, um, I can't take any credit for it because it is God's work inside of me causing me to do those things. That makes better sense? Y'all with Abraham, what you just said a while ago about, you know, his judgment not come upon him for everything that he's done. It's a, you know, it should be a picture of, uh, of relief and encouragement to us today because, you know, I don't know how y'all feel, but sometimes you walk through this life and think, man, Lord, I, I've done some bad things here lately, and, and I haven't seen anything happen. You know, the Bible says he'll chastise his own. Yeah. And, you know, the Bible says also if you don't, ch- if you ain't chastising, what are you? You're yeah, a pastor. That's right. And, uh, you know, you think, well, what's it coming, Lord? When is it coming? And you think, you think of scripture like this, and you think, Lord, your grace is sufficient. Your grace is merciful. And, you know, just because we have messed up, not willingly, but because of our own ignorance, he ain't sitting back with a bullwhip ready to hit us with it every time we goof up. Right, and, right. Uh, it's just in the word of encouragement. Yeah, itself. absolutely. And Abraham has experienced that. He's experienced that, that God has put up with him. We put it that way, I guess. Yeah. And has given him grace after grace after grace. But Abraham is going to have to teach his children to walk in the way of the Lord. So he needs to understand also that there is a such thing as judgment. There is such a thing as justice. And God's justice will be satisfied. And that's why God says here, shall I tell Abraham what I'm going to do? Yeah, I'm going to tell him because uh, he needs to understand. He needs to teach his children to walk in my ways. He needs to pass this on uh, what is about to happen. And so this is what he says, verse 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. Okay, so he heard the he heard the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah. The word cry or outcry there is it's always used in the Old Testament for those who are suffering, those who have been oppressed or afflicted or uh, the same thing is going to be said when he hears the cry, the outcry of his people in Egypt because they're suffering and they're oppressed. I've heard the cries of my people and I'm sending you, Moses, to go deliver them. You know, he says that in Exodus chapter three, Um, just as the it's the same thing you see where he said when Cain killed Abel he said the blood of your brother is crying out to me uh, from the ground now he says the sin of Sodom is very great and grievous now we all know what the sin is right 
Okay, we all, we all, but you can't just, don't just, we're going to talk about that next week as we get into 19. Uh, everybody always talks about the, the sin that they're guilty of is homosexuality. And you're going to see that as they try to pull the men out of the, the, pull the angels out of the house of Lot and all that. But it wasn't just that. That was, that was the huge thing that we're going to see in next week. But it was a life of complete and total sin that manifested itself in the sexual perversions and all those kind of things that we're going to see. It was absolutely, uh, it talks in Isaiah, uh, I wrote them in the outline, Isaiah chapter 3 and Ezekiel chapter 16 talk about the sin of Sodom and that they oppressed the poor and they, they brutalized the suffering and they, they were just, uh, they, they were just, the wickedness had grown to such an extent in these cities that uh, it manifested itself in cruelty and brutalizing people and, and awful things, including sexual perversion, homosexuality, and just all, all kind of things that went on in Sodom and Gomorrah. So the sin of the city was absolutely grievous. It had grown. It, it, it almost reminds us of the fact uh, of before the flood. You know, when we saw that, we saw the sin of, of mankind. It said his, his inclinations of his heart were only sinful continually all the time. It had grown to an extent where they, it was just, um, it was, in his eye, I don't know a good adjective. What's a good adjective to describe it? It's, it was it was awful. It was terrible. They had they had perverted their own way and were living according. They were like animals living according to their instincts. If it felt good, they were going to do it, and they you know was out for their self. Their sinful desires had reached the point where they were controlling how that they lived. Yeah. Scripture that brings to mind what what this is about. And it's in the New Testament, which is it. It's Romans chapter one. Romans one, yeah. It they exchanged they God, gave, their, uh, gave them up to their own vile affections. Yeah, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and God gave them up to their affections to do things that were unseemly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, it was grievous. That word grievous means heavy. It means weighty. It was. It was. It was big. As just as just as before the flood, God has had enough. Now let me ask you a question. He's in verse twenty-one. He's headed to investigate. Isn't that what it says? It says, "I'll go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which has come unto me. And if not, I will know." Did God not know whether they were? Yeah. Of course, He did. Why is he now? This is an important question. Remember, he is using this to teach Abraham about justice and judgment. Why does he tell Abraham, "I'm going to investigate to see whether this thing is so"? I don't think that's metaphoric. Do you? What do you mean? Like, I'm going to church today to see if Brother Eddie is going to really preach. You know, you know he's going to. So I'm just kind of rhetorical kind of sense, if you want to say. I didn't know if, if he meant it in that kind of Maybe, thing. maybe. I would say to show Abraham his justice, that he's just. You know, he's not just going to let him out for no good reason. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's. I think that's right. I think he is. He is showing him that justice. Because remember, he's telling him what's going to happen for a purpose, and he's given us the purpose so that Abraham will teach his children to walk in the way of the Lord, to teach to do justice and to do judgment. That's what it said in verse. Uh, 
uh, 19. You can underline that. He says that his household after him, that they shall keep the way. He's telling him what he's doing for a purpose. And that purpose is the same thing that we get in this. He's teaching us as well. And uh, he's letting them know that justice and judgment are always based on good information. It's not capricious. It's not just randomly thrown around. It is It is through investigation, through understanding. Uh, we're going to see in Deuteronomy chapter... Uh, I can't remember what chapter. I usually say Deuteronomy chapter... Uh, the, it, he's going to say, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, any uh, a matter is going to be set. Uh, he's going to say that in Leviticus as well. By the mouth of two or three witnesses. you got to have two or three witnesses for to come to establish justice, to establish a thing. And how many angels are going to go to Sodom? Two. Two. That's right. He's going to make sure Abraham knows God is not arbitrarily up there throwing fire and brimstone. His judgments are always just. They're always right. They're always based on accurate information. Now, today you see things go on and sometimes you don't understand. But we know that God is always just in his judgments, always just and righteous in his uh, pronouncements. Always, always. And so... You see that he is, he is, um, he, he says, I'm going down to see whether these things are so. And if not to know, he's going to, he's telling Abraham, I'm going down to make sure he's going to show him what justice looks like. Abraham is to do justice when it comes to teaching his children. His, his people are to live uh, justly and righteously, not just before God, but before people as well. They're told to take care of the foreigner. They're told to to take care of those that are in their household. They're told, given laws of how to interact with man, uh, how, to, uh, how to give justice when a wrong has uh, been done. Or They're given all these laws in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and, and they are to know how to do these things. And so God is showing Abraham, this is how justice comes about. It's based on accurate information. It's not based on, it's based on the mouth of two or three witnesses. And he's going to send two of the angels down to Sodom to see if it is so. Y'all with me? Any questions, comments? Man, y'all are quiet. Is it like everybody tired on Mother's Day? I'm like, I'm sunburnt from the air show. I'm like, every piece of clothing touching me is like needles going through me. Okay. Okay, y'all can smile though. I mean, it's like, like my, up here, my fly's down or something. Y'all looking at me funny. <laughs> All right, y'all good? All right. Yes. That's exactly what he's teaching. She said, do you think he's probably trying to teach Abraham not to jump to conclusions when it comes to justice well, and judgment? Also to let him know that if your descendants do what these people in Sodom and Gomorrah yes, ma'am. You're fixing to suffer the same justice. Absolutely. Absolutely. They can look at Abraham's life. And that's why we talked about Abraham receiving grace. If you looked at Abraham's life and said, well, and there are people in the New Testament that Jesus comes up against that said, hey, we're Abraham's kids. It don't make no difference. You know, whatever. We're God's people. And he, he, they need to know. They, Abraham needs to know. He needs to teach them that because you are my people and you are in covenant with me, you must walk in my ways. You must do justly and you must. Uh, you must uh, understand that that judgment comes for sin, any and all sin in all uh, accounts. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, 
Uh, they need to know. And so he's going to teach Abraham about living, living out justice. Um, it always, you know, all, justice always is based on accurate information and God always knows. He's always just and his people must also be just in their dealings. They must be just. They must uh, bring forth right judgments. You'll see that over and over again, even in the New Testament, talking about right judgments. And so verse 22, he sent two of these quote unquote men. We're going to find out in the next chapter that these are the two angels that are with him. Uh, the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So the two angels, we'll find out their angels next chapter. They go towards Sodom. They have gone on their task to do judgment and to find out about justice. Abraham stays there with Yahweh, with the Lord, and he is going to have this whole deal now. We've talked about justice. We've talked about judgment. We're going to see it played out in the next chapter. Now we're going to talk about mercy. He's going to teach him about mercy. And this episode here at the end of this chapter 18 you all know the story. You've probably heard it a million times. Um, but this is this is a stark this is a stark uh, instruction about God's justice and God's mercy. Uh, Abraham is going to intercede for these people, these uh, people of Sodom. Who do you think Abraham's thinking about when he said? The city's going to be destroyed. Yeah, his nephew is down in the city. You know, he, the last time we left Lot, he was living in the city. He was, actually was taken captive. Remember when those five kings, those four kings came in and and took everybody captive? Abraham had to saddle up 318 men and go chase after this army to get all the stuff back. And so, remember, what happened after that was the king of Sodom and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, came out and talked to Abraham. And Abraham didn't want anything to do with Sodom. He didn't want anything to do with Sodom's stuff. The king of Sodom said, I'm going to give you all this money. And Abraham said, I'm not taking nothing from you. And so, now, here you see Abraham is interceding for these people. He's asking for the Lord to, to be merciful to them. He says... In verse 23, he says, And Abraham drew near, and he said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He said, Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are there that are, that are therein? And Abraham said in verse 25, That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. He repeats it. He says, That's far from you. He says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Before the Lord speaks, we'll talk about what he said just there for a minute. What is Abraham, first of all, what is Abraham assuming? He's assuming there's going to be 50 good people. Yeah, he's assuming that anybody's good or righteous. He's assuming that there are some righteous people dwelling inside. Now, who's on his mind? Lots on his mind. Why do you think he started with 50 He's going to start with 50, he's going to go down 5, go down 5 again, then he starts going down by 10, and at the end he's going to get to 10, and then it just stops. Maybe that's how many descendants Lot had on his side of the faith. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. But he starts with 50. Is there, if there are 50 righteous people in the city, then uh, will you spare it? He says... His, his basic point, Abraham is seeing a conundrum here. He's seeing a problem. 
Okay? There's there's an unsolvable problem. If God rains judgment down upon this city, in Abraham's mind, the righteous are going to be judged with the wicked. They're all going to die. And that's that's not fair in Abraham's mind. He says... He's thinking, but if if God just spares the whole city, then the wicked escape judgment. You know, and you know it's great for the righteous because they don't they don't get judged, but he the wicked escape judgment. And so he says he's assuming that he's assuming that the righteous, he said, but notice what he says. He's asking for the wicked to be spared for the sake of the righteous people who are living in the city. He is, he is, uh, he, and when he says righteous, we're not talking about perfect. We're talking about those who are following the way of the Lord. We're not talking about sinless. He said the righteous people are those who are believing the Lord, following the way of the Lord. And of course, God is going to say in verse 25, yes, if there's 50 righteous people, um, he says, uh, 26, and the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I'll spare all the place for their, for their sake. God is going to withhold judgment uh, for their sake. He is going to withhold judgment if he finds 50 righteous people uh, within within the city. And so you see that uh, in in the justice of God, the judgment of God, judgment is withheld sometimes for the sake of the righteous, for the sake of his people. Same thing that Jesus said. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You know what salt is used for in, in the Old Testament? It's to preserve meat, to preserve. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are you are the light of the world. You are the ones that are holding back the judgment of God so that his people will be brought into his kingdom. But here's the thing you need to understand. And this is why I had a little trouble just getting through all this this week. Um, what we're talking about here is that we're talking about judgment. We're not just talking. We're not talking about suffering. If there is an earthquake in the city. Are all the believers saved? You know, if there is a tsunami, if the Hurricane Katrina, I have family, lives in Louisiana. Are all the believers somehow miracled away before the hurricane hits? No, no. What we're talking about here is not suffering in this life. We, everybody in this life, I don't care who you are, you're going to suffer eventually. I don't care, I don't care what you... I don't care how healthy you are, you're going to get to an age where you're going to start getting sick, where you're going to die uh, if the Lord tarries. There is, there is trial and tribulation and all of those things are coming. If you're not experiencing them already, they are coming for you if the Lord tarries. So we're not talking about just suffering in this life. We're not talking about bad things happening. We're not talking about natural disasters. We're not even talking about death, about dying, you know, in in a collision or we're talking about the judgment of God. And that's the one thing that believers do not experience in this life or the next is the judgment of God. Why do they not experience judgment because Jesus has paid for the judgment yes you and I because we live in a fallen world we may die in a tornado tomorrow we may die in a car wreck we may get sick we may be diagnosed with different things we may have family members that tragedies all of those things but if you are a believer in Christ understand that is not God judging you 
That is not the judgment of a holy God because of your sin. If you are in Christ, your sin has been punished on the cross. And it's atoned for on the cross. You will not come into judgment. There are things that happen to all people, whether you're a believer or non-believer. We live in this world. We live in this flesh. But what we're talking about here is not just, you know, when an earthquake happens, all the believers are going to be saved miraculously. We're talking about the judgment of God. The believer in Christ, the one who's trusted in him, the one who follows the way of the Lord may go through all kind of hardships that all kind of other people go through, but they will never come into the judgment of God. Romans 8, 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Everybody understand? You take that in saying that when the, in the New Testament we're talking about God, so he'll reign on the just and the unjust. Yes. Perfectly parallel that together. Yeah, and just because, you know, I've heard people say, well, I know I'm saved because God spared me from that car wreck. You know, and I'm sorry. Sometimes God's, you know, God reigns on the just and the unjust. The fact that good, something good happens to you doesn't mean that you are in right relationship with God. Just like the fact that something bad happens to you in this life doesn't mean that you are experiencing judgment. Here's the thing. God may discipline his children with, with bad things. God may chastise his children, but that is never for the believer. It's never punishment for sin. You and I, if we are in Christ, we are never, will never, in all eternity, be punished for our sin. Because that punishment was taken on by Jesus Christ. We'll be disciplined in order to be corrected. We'll be chastised in order to put us back on the path of righteousness. All of those things are possible. Huh? People, somebody new would say that's contradicting itself by saying that judgment and chastisement is not one and the same. Well, here's the thing is I can't look at you from the outside and say, well, that's not judgment, that's chastisement because I don't know whether you're in Christ. You know, we're talking, we're talking about you examining yourself. If you are in Christ and understand this is, this is one of those things where you're either going to trust your feelings or you're going to trust the Word of God because my feelings and my mind and my emotions will say, oh, God doesn't love you. God's mad at you. God's... What are you going to do? Are you going to trust the Word of God which says there's now no condemnation or are you going to trust you're going to trust my feelings because my heart is desperately wicked just like yours and in this flesh I can think all kind of things. That's one of the, that's one of the main problems with Christianity today with the Christian life is that, is that uh, people believe that they're Standing before God is based on what they what they do or don't do. You know, when I do really good today, you know, I'm a Christian guy and I have done really I've excelled for God. Somehow I think God is more pleased with me today than he was yesterday in Jesus Christ. That's wrong. He sees me the same way today, whether I'm the the best Christian that ever walked the planet or whether I am the hurting brother who just needs help and is not doing well in Jesus Christ I'm perfect in Christ and the same goes for if I've messed it up and done something so stupid today in Christ I'm still seen in Christ I'm not seen God doesn't look down and say man you are yeah you have lost some standing in my sight now he might be angry with me I mean he might be ready to discipline me he might correct me he might allow things to happen I may have to suffer the consequences for what I've done but we're talking about punishment for sin that has been taken away by the cross you with me
Any questions? That's important. You need to understand. What we're talking about here, Abraham is not saying, well, you can't let somebody die. I mean, we've had people die. You know, Adam died. We've had the, we've had righteous, you know, people who walk in the way of the Lord all the way up until Abraham lived that have died. You know, and so you, he's not saying, well, you can't just, you know, you can't let believers suffer. He's saying you cannot bring judgment Upon the righteous with the wicked. Now he's assuming that everybody's righteous. You know, we know there's no one righteous. But the reality is, we're talking about those who are walking in the way of the Lord. That's only by grace through faith. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ because all of that condemnation has been taken upon Christ at the cross. Y'all with me? All right, that's some some deep stuff. No questions. No nothing. Y'all still looking at me like I got a booger or something. What are you? All good? Okay. So he says, he says, if there's 50, God says, I'll spare the whole city. I will withhold judgment if there's 50. And then Abram, excuse me, Abraham, he says, he plays this thing. Notice he's being persistent with God in interceding for the city, but he's not being cocky. He's really humble. He says, and Abraham answered, says, behold, now I have taken upon me to speak to the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, he says, what if there shall lack five of the 50 righteous? Will thou destroy the city for lack of five? And he said, if I find there 40 and five, I won't destroy it. And then again, and he spoke unto him yet again and said, peradventure, if there be 40 found, he said, I won't do it for 40's sake. And he said unto him, oh, let the Lord not be angry and I'll speak. Peradventure, which means what if there shall 30 be found there? He says, I won't do it if I find 30. He says, and he says, behold, now I've taken upon me to speak to the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be 20. He said, I won't destroy it for 20's sake. And he said, O Lord, let not the Lord be angry and I'll speak once more. Peradventure, 10 shall be found there. And he said, I won't destroy it for 10's sake. And it's almost like the conversation immediately shuts off. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communion with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. Abraham is persistent, but he's also humble. Remember, I want to. It, it, it gave me a. It gave me a picture of the inevitability of God's justice. Now remember what happened. Remember what happened when the army swept through and picked up Lot. What did Abraham do? He jumped on his horse. I'm fixing to go get this guy. I'm fixing to go say. What did he do when God said, I, I, "I'm coming against the city now"? He just went back to his tent. There's nothing he can do. It's inevitable. He's, he has left. You know, he he's we know he's thinking of Lot and he's wondering, you know, how is Lot going to fare? Uh, this is not good. The city's judgment's coming upon the city. And, you know, he's interceding for Lot. And he's he's interceding for the people. But when it comes down to it, he has to just go back to his tent and trust that the judge of all the earth is going to do right. And Lot is in God's hands. Lot's in God's hands. And so it, it, it's almost a, it's almost a model for us. We intercede for people. We intercede for the lost. We intercede uh, for those. God loves to be pestered. You think, you know, I done prayed every day for this. God loves when we pester. The Jesus told the parable of the persistent widow. Uh, he loves when we come to him with his, with our concerns and with our petitions and all those things. But uh, the bigger picture is also of Christ. 
who intercedes for us. Remember the parable where Jesus said, you know, he said, there's a tree and my father wants to uh, uproot the tree. And he, he says, but the husbandman says, let me dig around it for a year and fertilize it. And he says, if it doesn't bear fruit after that, then, then you can dig it up. But just give me some time with it. It's him interceding for us. We are spared the judgment of God. You know, I was 27 when I got saved or 29 when I got saved. I'm 43 now. Um, there for 29 years, he would have been right. He would have been good. He would have been just to bring judgment at any moment, at any given time. And it would have been good. It would have been creation would have uh, lauded his goodness for raining down judgment and destroying me and sending me eternally uh, to to hell. He would have been right to do so. But he didn't. Uh, he didn't. He gave mercy over and over again. Each day that I live, give him some more time. Give him a little longer. Give him more time. And it's obvious because it happened at 29 is when uh, when Christ saved me. But uh, up until that point, you know, at, at any moment of any day, I could have I could have, you know, crossed the yellow line out there and been in eternal damnation forever. Uh, and it it was just God's grace and mercy that upheld. It was uh, the intercession of uh, of people like, you know, I don't know about y'all. I guess my mother prayed for me. My family prayed for me. Other people were praying for me. And most importantly, Jesus was interceding, saying, give me more time. Let me dig around it. He wasn't saying it like, oh, God, please don't do it. Give me some more time. But that's the parable that we see. It is just by God's grace, God's mercy and the intercession of Christ that judgment doesn't take away everybody the moment that we sin. That makes sense. I did a thing one time about what the world would look like if uh, if God's justice uh, was immediate and total and God's mercy was taken out of the way. You would get up most of the time. You'd be dead before you left the house. But at the moment that you sin, what's the wages of sin? Death. And so the moment you sin, death came. I mean, you'd be walking down the sidewalk, going to work, you know, if you worked in an office building or whatever, and you would be watching people drop dead all around you. People in cars would drop dead. The moment that you sinned, the moment that you said the wrong, said uh, something against God's law, thought something against God's law, God's law, you dropped dead. The moment that you did not love God as he deserves to be loved, love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you would drop dead. You would be climbing over bodies in order to get to your job every morning. You would be climbing over bodies. The reality is most everybody wouldn't get out of their house in the morning before they died. It would be a scary world to live in. But we think because that's not the world we live in. We, you know, we sin all the time and nothing happens, you know, as far as we can see. Uh, we don't drop dead. We continue to go on. We, can, we, we often think there is no justice. There is no judgment. We don't have to worry about all this kind of stuff. We, everything's continuing on the way it is when the reality is those people in Sodom were saying the same thing. We can do whatever we want. Nothing's happened. Uh, and the only thing holding back judgment was this guy that's up on the hill that they hadn't seen interceding for them so that they would go down and see if there were any righteous people in the city. The only thing that was holding back justice was an intercessor. And so that is, uh, that's what's going on even now today. You know, we sin and no lightning bolt, you know, no fire and brimstone, no nothing. You know, we there's consequences, of course, but what we have experienced when that happens is God's mercy, his mercy. And if you've ever committed a sin and I'm saying that tongue in cheek because you have. Uh, 
If you've ever committed a sin, every breath that you take, every beat of your heart is a mercy of God, is a gift from God. You are not owed it at all. The wages of sin is death. And so he is right and just to remove your life at any moment after the first time that you sin. If he's allowed you to live years, which all, all of us have, I'm sure, Every moment, every time you enjoy a glass of water, every time you enjoy riding four wheels, every time you enjoy family, friends, every time you enjoy a sunset, every, every time you are allowed to enjoy anything, that is a gift from God because you are owed judgment. You're owed justice. And that, more often than not, doesn't come. But there is a time when it will come and it will come perfectly. And these people in Sodom are going to see that. Um, Abraham returned to his place. The, the God, the judge of the all, all earth would do right. Um, the interesting thing to me, this is where we're in. Abraham's fear was that, his conundrum was that if God judges and destroys the city, the righteous are going to be destroyed with the wicked, which is not right. If God relents, the wicked are going to escape judgment. God did neither of those two things. He didn't, he didn't destroy the wicked, I mean, destroy the righteous with the wicked, and he didn't spare the wicked from judgment. What did he do? What are we going to see next week? He didn't find ten righteous people in the city. There weren't ten. And so he didn't, he didn't have to spare the entire city because of what he said. There was one righteous man. That was Lot. And we're told that he's righteous in Second Peter. He says righteous Lot was vexed daily because of the sin that he was around. He found one person in the city that was walking in his ways. And he removed him from the city. Him, his two daughters, his wife got about halfway out. <laughs> removed them from the city and then rained down judgment upon them. Did you say I saw a picture of the sower and the seed in the parable of Matthew where, you know, about throwing seed on stony ground versus, and he says, you know, I'm not going to pull up the root with the weeds. Right. And I kind of picture that. As Maybe so. Like, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, he, he's not going to destroy... Uh, he's not going to bring judgment to the, those that are walking in his way. He may there may be suffering, but there won't be judgment. Yes, ma'am. I think he should have already known. God said, "Okay, okay, okay, we'll be fine for it." Even if he got down to ten, if he said that, I would have been like, "Oh, there's not." Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Some people say that he was thinking of Lot and his family. You know, Lot, his his Lot and his wife. He's got the two daughters and their two, but that only gets you to six, you know. So maybe there was some others, uh, but you can't really. I think he was getting down as low as he could, you know, just to try to spare, huh? I think he was just simply bargaining with God, and it shows a it shows a great definition of how exceeding God's love for us is that He never said, you know, basically. Shut up and don't listen anymore. He limits. There ain't no term limits. Yeah. He listened to everything he said and he never, you know, he never turned him away. Yeah. It's almost like he was pestering him. He was you know, pestering God. Like a child and their parent, you know, can I have this piece of candy? Well, if I can't have that, can I have this one? 
can I have this? Yeah. Person? You know. Yeah. And God never said shut up. You know. <laughs> he just he, he never he just listened. It's like your kids, mama, 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 mama. <laughs> Alright, so what you see there is justice. But what you also see is that those who are in Christ, those who are, it's described here as walking in the way of the Lord, will never be under judgment. You may have suffering in this life. You may have all kind of things can happen to any of us in this fallen world, but it, it's never the judgment of God that judgment has been taken away. And so the judge of all the earth will do right. Judgment will never come upon those who are quote-unquote righteous. So we know the only way to be righteous is to be in Jesus Christ. Uh, but um, there is coming judgment. There is a coming judgment. A coming time when justice will be fulfilled. And it's a scary thing. And he's teaching Abraham. This is what you teach your children. And we should take that lesson as well. We need to understand God is not fuzzy bunny God in the sky. He's not our butler. He's not our homeboy. He is a holy God who is righteous and just and judgment will eventually come to pass in fulfillment. Okay? Alright, Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've given us. We pray that you'd be with us today as we go into uh, as we